When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Wednesday night edition of the show. We are in prime time. And we are talking about Scott Reynolds' favorite side of the ball. That is defense. If you watched yesterday's show, you uh, saw us talk about the Bucks' offensive player rankings from Pro Football Focus. But tonight, we are going to talk about the Bucks' defensive player rankings as ranked by some writers on Pro Football Focus, including former Pewter reporter Trevor Sikama. Joining with me tonight, I'm your host, Matt Matera, but joining with me is my fellow colleague from PewterReport.com, Bailey Adams. Bailey, great to be talking to you, my man. How are you this evening? Doing pretty well. It's good to be back. Good to be back on the show. Awesome. Congratulations, by the way, to your LSU Tigers on winning the uh, College Baseball National Championship. A Pretty much a whirlwind of a series, if you look at it. Bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah, sorry to the Gators fans that are watching that, but we appreciate all the Pewter people that are joining us tonight. A lot of comments in the chat already before the show even started. So I kind of like that everybody was, uh, you know, pre-gaming <laughs> beforehand, essentially, starting with Jason Chambers, who said, uh, go Bucks, go Pewter Report. I am such a more knowledgeable Bucks fan since I started listening to the show a few years ago. Thank you, Pewter Report, for all you do to inform all of us diehard fans. Thank you so much, Jason Chambers. That is an awesome Awesome comment to start off the show. Richard in here as well saying, let's go Bucks predictions on the highest ranked Bucks defensive player. Yes, we will go position by position, kind of like what we did yesterday. Uh, we'll do that with the uh, defensive side of the football. Uh, but first, we'll get into a couple of other Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, topics that have kind of been uh, going around recently. Most notably, what went on this morning, the team announced that we have the dates for training camp, which is very exciting Bailey, you've been there the past couple of years covering the team, whether it was with Pewter Report or some other outlets. Can you just explain the atmosphere of training camp when we got all the fans in there? Because we got it taken away from us in 2020. But, you know, being out there with, with everyone, it's it's an awesome time, isn't it? It really is. It's fun. You know, we, we've had it where we we walk out there, you know, right before practice and we've had people yell from the stands and the fans are there. They're yelling about Pewter Report. Uh, it's always good to see the fans out there. And it's always a, a hopeful time because I know even like obviously the last few years there's been a lot to be hopeful about. They've had Tom Brady, they had these these really awesome teams. But even before Tom Brady got here, it was always a, just a renewed sense of hope in the Bucks. And it, you know, for better or for worse, ended up you know not going so well. But it's always good with the start of a new season to have that hope and a lot of fun to be out there. Looking forward to the atmosphere and looking forward to to the the heat. It's it's a hot one. It's always a hot one out there. But looking forward to it. <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, so the official start, uh, the rookies report first and then the veterans a day later. Uh, but training camp practice begins on Sunday, July 30th. So put it in your calendars there. That's the uh, back together weekend for crew members. Uh, they also have different events for crew members. There's also military day. Um, there's the women in red day, which obviously is a, a huge event, a great event that the uh, that the Bucks put on. Um, you also have a junior Bucks community impact day. And the last one that's open to the general public, that is Monday, August 14th. There will be more training camps as well, but those are the ones that are available to season ticket members and uh, the general public too. So, yeah, it is really great being out there. Um, you know, the cool thing about, you know, covering the Bucks in general and just reporting on this team is there's so many different avenues and just eras even in a year. I mean, Bailey, you and I are both wrestling fans. We know the Attitude Era and this era and that era. Um, but, you know, for year-round with the Bucks, you have in-season, of course, which is right around the corner when we get here in September. You have draft season with the Combine and, and all those reports, free agency. 
training camp really feels like it's, you know, the start of something new. And especially this year with, um, you know, everything going on. I think you can make the case this year's training camp may be even more exciting than last year's, even with the return of Tom Brady. This quarterback storyline, Baker versus Kyle Trask, could really go anywhere. Yeah, I, I think so. And especially with the, with the new offensive scheme as well. It's just because and I don't want to say you ever got tired of seeing Tom Brady go to work, but, you know, it was kind of the same thing. You, you knew what you were going to get out of a typical practice last year. You know, you'd see some some nice plays down the field. You'd see a lot of the same things, though, from a day to day standpoint. And this year it really will be with a new a new scheme, a lot of new faces. And especially at the quarterback position, two guys who will be going head to head. Um, it'll be it'll be really interesting to watch. I know um, rookies rookies get in there on July 24th, and the vets report the next day on July 25th. Um, but yeah, when when they get out there, and it'll be that's you know that's going to be their proving ground for you know trying to win the job. I know they'll have the preseason games as well. There's only three of them though, and yeah, um, you know the preseason games. I know there's joint practices up with the Jets, um, but the training camp is really where a lot of it's going to go down. And I'm really really excited to see how this unfolds. Yeah, a lot of mystery, really, with the Dave Canales offense like you just talked about. And, yes, the Bucks do have joint training camp practices with the New York Jets, which uh, joint practices are fun in general, but the fact that they're playing against Aaron Rodgers, who is a quarterback that the Bucks have a history with over the past couple of years going back to their 2020 uh, Super Bowl winning season. You know, Rodgers was a big storyline in more ways than one. And they faced the Packers over the past couple of years. So it'll be nice to see one last, you know, Rodgers versus the Bucks battle, unless, you know, both teams meet in the Super Bowl, which, you know, never say never, especially with some high hopes for the Jets this year. But you heard us say, talk. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, will, I, will say, I will say, too, I am disappointed that we won't get joint practices in Tampa this year with any team. Yeah, That's a yeah. That's definitely uh, something that changed a little bit. We've been lucky. Like last year, the Bucks had two separate joint practices. Yeah. They went to Tennessee and, and went up against the Titans. But then the Miami Dolphins also came to uh, Tampa last year. The, the year previously, um, the Titans came to Tampa. Yeah. And that was when uh, Antonio Brown infamously threw a punch at a player. And Bruce Arians said that he was just, he was just batting away a B or whatever he said. And the Dolphins have came before for a joint practice. So a little bit of a joint practice this year with the Jets, not a team that they typically even play in the preseason. So um, a nice little mix up there. But you heard us talking about uh, the quarterback matchup. And of course, we're not the only ones discussing it. Uh, Fans are national news, local news. And one of the guys in the local news is uh, former Bucks quarterback, Sean King, who is... Not a fan of Kyle Trask. Uh, very much not in favor of him winning the job. You could say that Sean King is uh, is definitely rooting for Baker Mayfield to win this. Um, Sean King was on his – he's a co-host on his own radio show, VSIN Live, that's on the Sports Betting Network. And on his show, he said, and this is per his words, Kyle Trask stinks. Listen, if Kyle Trask had done anything in practice during his two years backing up Tom Brady, Tampa doesn't go out and sign Baker Mayfield. He'd have had to have been terrible in practice because when you draft the quarterback in the second round, you want to be right. Jason Light, the Bucks general manager, wants that pick to pan out. I mean, there's criticizing a guy, and then there's a really, really harsh words that you could say <laughs> about someone saying that he flat out stinks you know that's something you say with your buddies if you're like watching a game and you're like that guy stinks um and for a former bucks quarterback to say that about another guy uh really really uh really harsh to say the least bailey what were your thoughts about this i thought i, I don't know i thought it, i don't he, i know he said he had some some people in contacts that you know on that are on the ground because i don't think he's really been out at the facility or anything to see for himself and i don't i don't doubt that he does know people and talk to people whether it's around the building or just whether it's the local media but i just don't think it's necessarily fair like I, I don't think for one yes the bucks still might have gone out and signed whether it's baker mayfield or some other veteran they needed to round out the quarterback room they weren't just going to hand the job over to somebody who had never taken a snap outside of week 18 of last year and had nine nine career um pass attempts so it was it was always bound to be a competition and yes i know he, he's right that jason light wants to be right he wants his second round pick to pan out. But I think he also just wants to win games. And I don't know that necessarily 
um, Trask is <laughs> as far as saying he stinks. We haven't had a chance to really know whether or not that's the case. I and mean, it's possible. It's possible that he does stink, but it seems rather early. I know it's funny to say early in his third year, but he did not really get a lot of reps. When you have Tom Brady and you have Blaine Gabbert behind him, Trask wasn't getting a lot of reps. So to go as far as saying he stinks already is and it's out there. Yeah, I would say more just inexperience than anything else. Yeah. I think you also have to look at the – you have to read the room a little bit. You know, he was never going to play over Tom Brady, and Blaine Gabbert was a longtime veteran quarterback and not just a veteran QB, a player that has been very, very accustomed to the offense that the Bucks were running at the time. We know it's going to be different this year. So I understand the criticism of, well, why didn't he at least beat out playing Gabbert in year two, I think there's definitely some warranted criticism there, but especially coming from Sean King, who, you know, he he's from the Tampa area. He, he did play his college football at Tulane. So there's a Ryan Griffin connection there. Um, he was part of the Fox original Super Bowl winning team, but he's a guy that, you know, he started 21 games over five seasons for the Fox um, ended up being a backup quarterback as his career went on. So he's, I don't know. He's kind of been in a similar boat to Kyle Trask. Sean King was also a second round pick. So there's a little similarity there. And Bailey, I think you bring up a great point that it wasn't like Kyle Trask could be the only guy on the, on the roster at quarterback. Like you needed to fill out that room and you know, the Bucks could have went the route of drafting a, a quarterback earlier. And they didn't obviously, because this wasn't the best draft class out of the, original four that were already going to be off the board at the time. So why wouldn't you bring in competition like someone with Baker Mayfield? It just doesn't really make much sense at all. And uh, Jacko bluntly saying Kyle might surprise us. Give the guy a chance. Um, a lot of people are saying Sean King is uh, jealous as well. K-pop lover. All right. We got some K-pop fans in the chat. Nice. Uh, says Sean is jealous, and Tom Bucks fan said uh, Sean King had issues with his own work ethic when he started for Brad in 2002 against the Steelers. His first pass was a pick six. Did not know Gruden's playbook. On the other hand, though, and this is why we love everybody in the chat, because uh, Al Bundy has a difference of opinion. Says King has a legit point. You guys shouldn't downplay his comment. Look at Green Bay and Jordan Love. They didn't even sign Baker. And they could have. How do you feel about that comment from Al Bailey? Because I think the Jordan Love situation is a little bit different than Kyle Trask, but curious to get your opinion. Yeah, because I'd say they drafted Jordan Love in the first round with the yeah. plan all along of, yeah, he's going to be the future starter after Aaron Rodgers is gone. I mean, I think the Packers handled that in a weird way to begin with. Um, and I get I get the point there from Al, but I, I think it is a different situation when you draft a guy in the first round, he is, for better or worse, going to have to start eventually i know trask is a second round pick he was a late second round pick and i think to, to something you said earlier they bring in baker mayfield as competition they brought baker in on a one-year contract and, and i think that's why they're, they're giving trask a legitimate chance to start and if he wins the job they're not tied to another quarterback they just brought in they'll have baker as his backup for a year then next year it'll be if trask plays well he's got his his, his next year of his rookie deal or his last year of his rookie deal so i don't think it's something like they brought in Baker Mayfield and they signed him to a four-year deal and he's guaranteed to be the starter. They had to bring in competition. Um, the Jordan Love thing, like I said, it's, it's a first-round pick and, the, and it's, it's a bit of a different situation, but a fair point, I think, from Al as well. Yeah, I think with Jordan Love, he was brought in to be the successor to Aaron Rodgers, and that's what you do with a first-round pick. The Packers did the same thing, and Adam <laughs> Slavon would, would say as well, because he's a Wisconsin guy, um, you know, like the Packers did the same thing when Brett Favre was the quarterback and they took Aaron Rodgers in the first round. So like they have a method that they've gone with before. And I mean, it panned out with Aaron Rodgers up until this point when Trask was selected, as you said, late second round pick, the Bucks were coming off the Super Bowl and it was more of a luxury pick more than anything else. And you can get away with that in the um, second round. And if you were going to back Kyle Trask, you could say, this is a completely new offense, so you kind of wipe the slate clean. And although he hasn't played in a while, you know, he went three for nine for 23 yards in, in his only start, or not even start, just his only appearance in the NFL. When he's been around talent at the University of Florida, he absolutely thrived and was a, you know, Heisman Trophy candidate, at least. 
And yeah. who's to say that he can't do it with the, you know, with the Bucks, with working with Mike and Chris and, and Dave Canales as your offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I, I was having, I think, the same kind of conversations with people right when they drafted him was, you know, I know there was questions about, you know, whatever, arm talent, whatever it was with, yeah. with Kyle Trask when he got drafted. It was, and it was, yeah, I mean, at Florida, he had Kyle Pitts, he had Kadarius Tony, and I saw people kind of downplaying Trask's record-breaking season in 2020 by saying, oh, well, yeah, he had Pitts and he had Tony and he had, you know, a good offense around him. And I'm thinking, what's the offense he's about to step into with Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin and, at the time, uh, they had Antonio Brown, and they still had yeah. all these other guys. So, it did. It felt like a, it felt like a kind of a almost a parallel where it's like he's got talent around to work with, and he hasn't had a chance to throw to those guys. He hasn't had a chance to really to really play with Mike and Chris. And I think you'd go as far as saying probably maybe not even OTA. It's probably mini camp was the first time he had a chance to even work with those guys. Yeah, um, even that closely. So. You know, he'll get that chance in training camp and, and Baker will get the chance as well. And, you know, we'll see how it pans out. I think it's just a little early to say, you know, Kyle Trask stinks and, you know, it, it's a waste of a second round pick. Right. To say he stinks, I think, is the is obviously like the buzzword. If he just said, I don't really believe in Kyle Trask. Totally fair. You know, he, yeah, completely fair. And he's just kind of being honest. But to say that he stinks and from not seeing it firsthand, because, uh, you know, you mentioned it before. And he is a he is a at least he believes in the Bucks with Baker Mayfield, as Wayne Hankinson says. Uh, I think Baker will be the starter, but will he finish the season? Um, where was it? Sorry, I lost my spot for just a second. He goes on to say about Baker Mayfield, and you know, King's radio show is on a sports betting network. He goes on to say, still in research mode with Tampa. I've got boots in the ground there in Tampa, uh, every practice I'm getting reports. So he's not even seeing this up close and personal. He's just hearing like what other people are saying about it. Uh, because I think if, if what I think is true, there's tremendous betting value with Tampa, but I'm also trying to really get a grasp on why this win total is as low as it is at six and a half, specifically because of the division the bucks are in the NFC South is let's be fair. The worst division in the NFC this year. I agree with him there. And, um, yeah, plus, like, the other opponents that they play this year are, are not great as well. So I do think Sean King has some validity to the the point of the Bucks are going to go over six and a half wins this year. That's how I feel. Um, but to say that Kyle Trask stinks when you haven't even looked at him in practice, I think, is a bit of a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no question about it. All right, we're here to talk about defense. Enough of the offensive side of the ball. We are here to talk about the team that did not allow a touchdown to Patrick Mahomes in the 2020 Super Bowl. A team that is spearheaded by Todd Bowles, the head coach, who was calling the plays last year and really kept the Bucs in a ton of games uh, last season until some miraculous comebacks at the end. And as the uh, title of the show is, Pro Football Focuses Bucks Defensive player rankings so let's start with defensive tackle I think everyone already knows who we're going to be talking about here Um, this was an article written by Gordon McGinnis of PFF back in uh, late May and he ranks the uh, top 32 interior defensive linemen to uh, or in the league really the top interior defensive lineman clocking in at 14 on the list of course is none other than Vita Vea that guy right there throwing his hands up comes in 14th overall here was the write-up on Vita Vea uh he says Vea impresses as a pass rusher consistently earning PFF pass rush grades of 72 and a half or better throughout his five-year career However, his play against the run hasn't quite matched that with the sub-65 PFF run defense grades in each of his past two seasons. A couple of the guys just ahead of him are Javon Hargrave at 13, Leonard Williams at 12, Derek Brown from the Panthers at 11, Jeffrey Simmons at 10. Uh, A couple other guys above him include uh, Deron Payne from the Commanders, Calais Campbell with the Falcons, Dalvin Thompson with the Browns, Jordan Davis with the Eagles at 19. So Bailey, I will ask you, was Vita Vea properly rated? Rated too low? Rated too high? 
where where do you fall on this? I feel like it's just a little a little low. Um, I kind of looked and referenced last year's uh, rankings right? when they ranked PF- PFF ranked the defensive tackles last year, interior defensive linemen, and he was seventh last year. And I know there's the potential for other guys to move up based on the way they played in 2022. Uh, but I don't think Vea played poorly enough in 2022 to drop seven spots. I know he had a career high in sacks. He led the Bucks in sacks and he had six and a half. Um, and I know that the Bucks run defense wasn't as good as it was in 2022 as it was in the previous years. But I don't think there was enough of a drop off for him to plummet like that. And I, I think he's probably a little better than top 14 um, in the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, I don't think he should drop seven spots. I think if you want to put him right around the top 10, maybe in the top 12, like I think he should surpass Leonard Williams at 12. Um, In my opinion, I I think that's definitely a spot that he could take advantage of. I mean, Christian Wilkins is in the top 10 at coming in at number eight for Miami. Uh, Old man Cameron Hayward coming in at the top five. I don't think Vita Vea is is top five. Like the Forrest Buckner is right there at six. Uh, just had a great performance at the the Beer Olympics with uh, George Kittle for the uh, Beer Olympics hosted by the Bustin' with the Boys. But yeah, Vita, it's so interesting the write up as well because going into the season, you would have never thought that oh Vita was going to struggle as a run defender this year, but he's going to rack up the sacks because the their narrative of Vita was actually flipped it was oh man like you can't run the ball on the bucks at all and vita Vey is a huge reason because of that but we'd like to see vita ramp it up a little bit as a pass rusher well he certainly ramped it up as a pass rusher leading the bucks in sacks last season but there's also no question that the bucks did struggle stopping the run a little bit really just compared to how flawless they were and effortless it looked at times over the previous two to three seasons. So 14, I feel like, might be a little bit high. I think 12 or 11 is a little more properly ranked for Vita. I'm not going to, you know, put my arms up in the air and say it's absolutely ridiculous because it is <laughs> yeah. tough for national writers to put everyone together. Um, on yesterday's show, we talked a lot about potential where players could get to. I kind of feel like Vita, if he has an all-out year same number of sacks, but, you know, ramps it up a little bit as a, you know, as a as a run stopper, especially with the addition of Kalijah Kansi in the mix. Um, I could see Vita getting into the top five if he, like, really, really plays to his ceiling. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to like about what Vita Vea does, and I think what kind of happened a little bit in 2022, and not trying to make it all, all about an excuse, but I think he kind of suffered from, you know, Akeem Hicks coming in and not really panning out not being able to stay on the field all the time. Um, and just not having the help probably that he could have, you know, if with, with, with more help, I think he probably could have found, uh, found himself in this top 10, top eight range. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think there's, there's so much strength and there's so much just mass there with Vita Vea. And I, he, if he gets back to where he was against the run this year and continues to, to work on that as a pass rusher and having those faster guys on the sides of him and Kalaja Kansi and Logan Hall. I think that can help him and it help create opportunities for him. And he's going to create opportunities for them. I, I think there's a lot to like about what he does. And especially it was, it was so interesting to see him pop off with six and a half sacks, a career high. Cause yeah. early on in his career, it was Vita Vea does so much. that doesn't still show up in the stat sheet. It was just, mm-hmm. he eats up the interior and creates opportunities for the guys on the, on the outside. Um, but to see him, you know, come through last year with, with those sacks, love to see it continue and love to see the bucks run defense kind of step back up to where it was before. King Cook says Vita needs to get his conditioning under control. His plate did drop off. He was on the sidelines way too much during critical moments in games, though. Just saying. I think he's he plays the proper amount of snaps, you know, and I think when the going gets tough, he's usually in there. Uh, but if there are big game situations and Vita's not on the field, that would definitely be an issue. Um, coming out towards the end of this list is B.J. Hill of the Bengals at 30. Daquan Jones of the Bills at 31 and Zach Allen of the Broncos at 32. I mean, we weren't going to find Logan Hall on this list at all. And obviously, Kalasha Kansi is a rookie. But just looking at the defensive tackle group as a whole outside of Vita Vea, uh, what, what's your overall thoughts for Logan and, and Kalasha Kansi? Are you optimistic? Are you um, a little, 
little patient with the, what's going on? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I think patient. I wrote about this on pewterreport.com over the weekend um, and just some of the, the questions that the Bucks might face as they try to get to where they want to go. And, and I know I see, you know, you can see what they're doing with the defensive line, um, you know, getting faster, getting younger. And I think it's going to pay off in the long run. There might be some growing pains, I think, early on this year. So I, I'm kind of a little bit, I'm optimistic in terms of like the long term. I think it's going to be something that can really, really help this Todd Bowles defense go. But I think there will be growing pains when you've got Logan Hall, who you know didn't play a ton last year, is going to play more snaps this year, and Kalaja Kansi, who's a rookie. I know he's he's a first round pick, and he's going to get he's going to be in there. But I think there will be games where he struggles. There will be stretches of games where he struggles, and maybe even a couple weeks in a row where he's not really making an impact. But I think with with the speed and just the agility that he has. And I think even, you know, I think his strength is a little underrated just because of the size, his size. Um, I, I think they're going to be going to be able to really put something together down the stretch, maybe, and, and into next year. And they might just take some time. Yeah, I'm really excited about Kalijah Kansi. You know, his overall speed, I think, is going to be great for this team. But we kind of said that about Logan Hall as well. Yeah. But maybe that's the difference between Kalijah being a first round pick and having that build of, of Aaron Donald and Logan Hall being, you know, I, he, he was a second round pick, but he was kind of close to the the end of the end of the first round. He was the first pick of the second round. So yeah. he's not that far off. So I'm, I'm excited about Kalijah Kansi. I'm eager for Logan Hall because I'm not crazy confident in him at the moment, but you know, he bulked up this off season. He's yeah. looking much, much bigger. And that's what everyone, his coaches, including, were saying about uh, Logan Hall, and he at least, you know, did the first part of it. We'll, we'll see how the rest comes together. So uh, definitely excited about one, little down on the other, but taking a step in the right direction. So next up, after the interior defensive line, it's the uh, edge rushers in the NFL. And this article was written on June 7th. 7th. I was so excited to say his name that I just – flub the date but this was written by our old pal trevor sigma pewter report alumni uh so trevor ranked them in the top 32 but he also put them into tiers so he has tiers one two three four and five um tier one he has six players in it miles garrett micah parsons nick bosa tj watt max crosby and joey bosa the first buck you see is not until the last tier and that is tier five no excuse me tier four i don't know how to read um in tier four number 20 is shaq barrett and he doesn't have a writer for shaq he just kind of did a little bit of everyone so uh, the the little part that he has for barrett uh trevor goes on to say Barrett is coming off an Achilles tear, so who knows what he'll be in 2023. However, since 2019, he's been one of the league's most productive and savvy pass rushers. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about everyone else. So a, a quick line on our guy Shaq right there. Bailey, properly rated, too low, too high. I think prop properly rated. I would say right around for, especially you know when you go back to the last few years and what he has done in the past, I think he deserves to be you know, up there and then up there for consideration. But I think there are fair questions about his Achilles. He's coming off the Achilles tear from week eight. Um, he's just, he's over, he's on the wrong side of 30 now. And I know Achilles tears can be really difficult to come back from, especially when you rely on your get off and, and your quickness like Shaq does. Um, I'm, I'm really, it's really a big if for me with Shaq Barrett this year. And I'm actually like really, really excited to see, um, you know, him get back on the field because, I think he's probably going to be playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Cause I'm sure he's, he's hearing and seeing some of the, you know, some of the things that people maybe are saying and writing about him just because he is getting up there in age, but you know, he just a few years ago had 19 and a half sacks, followed that up with eight, had 10 in 2021. And he had only just three before, you know, going down last year. So, you know, I, it's a, a question of whether or not he will get back to where he was before, but based on, you know, his resume and, and where he still could be, I think he's probably properly rated. I agree. I think he's also very, very much properly rated um, because you have to take in the Achilles injury into all of it. But I also think 
it would be unfair to Shaq, and I'm glad Trevor kind of mentioned this, because of what Shaq did in 2019 and how integral he was to the defense in 2020 and even last year. I think it's – sorry, two seasons ago. I think it's unfair to write Shaq off because of a slow season even before the Achilles, as you talked about with uh, the three sacks on the year. You see in this photo, he's taking down Lamar Jackson. Shaq was a wild man in that game up until he got injured with the torn Achilles. Um, You know, and I think Shaq very much in his Bucks career has been a, obviously he he gets the production, but he's very much a streaky pass rusher as well. I mean, you go back to that 2019 season when he had the 19 and a half sacks or 2020 as well. I mean, he, he came bursting onto the gate out of the gate where, but he would have like two games in a row where he'd get a hat trick of sacks and he'd have like six sacks in two games. Shaq is very much, I don't have the stats in front of me, but in, in the number of like multi sack games that Shaq has had since he, you know, since 2019, when he came to the box, I I'd be willing to bet he has to be like towards the top of everybody in the league because he, we say turnovers come in bunches. The sacks come in bunches for Shaq Barrett. The big question with the Achilles more than anything else, just outside of rehabbing it, is Shaq has never been known to be the biggest guy out there. So he relies heavily on his speed. I worry about his speed more than anything else. Can he still get that quick get off? Because that's what made him such an elite pass rusher for the Bucs since he's come to Tampa Bay. Uh, That's what really concerns me the most. Obviously, he's had heartbreak this offseason, so... Um, we got to see what, what his mentality is going into this year, but I don't think it's fair to write off Shaq just yet. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm trying to do some really quick math here, looking at his, his stats. And I think I'm at right around nine double digit sack games. Oh, 10, I think, um, 10 since he got here in 2019. So yeah, they do come in bunches for him. And what was really, really disappointing and, um, just kind of one of those heartbreaking moments too on the field is. That, that game against the Ravens was his best of the season. It was. And I remember being there and thinking, and I don't know if I even said it to someone, um, don't really recall who was at that game with me. It might have been JC. Um, but we were we were kind of marveling at the fact, like, all right, this is like this is the Shaq Barrett that everyone's gotten used to, and he's he's showing up. Like this is this is what the Bucks need out of Shaq Barrett down the stretch. And then there it is, he goes down with a torn Achilles, and it was just kind of a gut punch to the defense, and I'm sure for Shaq himself, because he probably felt like he was getting back to who who he had been in, in recent years, and it was just a, a really really tough injury to go down with. And we'll see how he bounces back. I think it's it's I think a lot of people are fair to be cautious about it. Um, and it kind of paints a, in a bigger picture for the pass rush. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions over there. Yes, there is. And just looking at the rest of this group, I mean, it's a bunch of heavy heavy hitters, man. I mean, Shaq's ranked the twentieth, but there's a lot of great guys in front of him. You heard me read off tier one. I mean, tier two, Hassan Reddick starting it off at seven. I mean, he went crazy for the Eagles last year. For Sean Gary, Trey Hendrickson, you know, tier three. You still have Khalil Mack is in tier three, which just <laughs> sounds insane to say. I know he's had some injury issues. Um, but, yeah, Josh Allen, not the quarterback. The other one at 15. Matthew Judon at 18. Like So there's some tough guys. Demarcus Lawrence right in front of him as well. Uh, we're going to do player previews in general, uh, you know, when we get closer to training camp, which we now have those dates. But just looking at the rest of the outside linebackers, Bailey, I'll ask you, because you got Joe Tryanchenko. We we know the, the trials and tribulations of him and Anthony Nelson re-signing this year. They also drafted Yaya Diaby. In your opinion, we say JTS is probably going to start out as the other outside linebacker besides Shaq. Who ends up being the second best edge rusher for the Bucks this year if Shaq's going to be the number one guy? I, I really wonder. And it's, it, it is all about whether or not JTS takes that next step like everyone hopes and you know everyone needs him to. Um, I mean, I think in terms of pressure, like pressure rate, and you like to think that he's going to convert some of those pressures into sacks. So I'd probably lean toward JTS as of right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Yaya Diaby and, and he gets himself down the stretch, finding himself in a, in a bigger role in the rotation because I think he has a lot to offer. And I think the Bucks are very, very high on him. And then like last year, Anthony Nelson coming up with five and a half sacks, being tied for second on the team. I think you kind of always know what you're going to get 
from Anthony Nelson, uh, which is yeah. always nice for the Bucks. But I think you know, I'm I'm just, and I don't know if it's a, a little bit of an optimist in me today, but I, I'm thinking JTS has got to convert some of those some of those pressures into sacks and figure things out this year. I think Anthony Nelson's going to be steady Eddie. Yaya has the highest ceiling, and JTS is an absolute wild card. I think it's a flip yeah. of the coin, kind of like the Targaryens. They say anytime a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin, whether they're going to be good <laughs> or evil. And it's a little bit like that with Joe Tryon Shanka. But, um, you know, talk about high ceilings, talk about things that can be great. Consistency, there's always greatness when it comes to Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. So many different flavors that you can choose from, um, including the Oasis 5 Sparkling Lemon Lime, Sparkling Orange. I also like the Strawberry Lemonade and the Arctic 5. Kiwi Guava is pretty good, too. Um, If you want to find out where to get a Celsius Energy Drink, go to the store locator, punch in your address on the Celsius website, and it will give you the closest location of where to find one at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, or your bodega. And then once you keep going to your bodega, you know you love Celsius Energy Drinks, but you want more Start buying them in bulk. Go over to Amazon. Do the subscribe and save. Get the variety pack. This variety is the spice of life. You can have it sent to your place of residence weekly, weekly, monthly, quarterly, whenever you want. Um, There's no sugar or preservatives, no post-energy drink uh, crash or jitters that you might get with some other products. So make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. All right, Bailey. The next group we were will talk about, we've been talking about a lot because one is a future Bucks Ring of Honor member. The other could be one day, but uh, is currently not in the ire of Bucks fans. Of course, we're talking about Devin White, Get Live 45, and Levante David. And Pro Football Focus has treated Levante David quite, quite well. Also, because Trevor Sycamore wrote this. He has Levante David at number two in tier one, number two overall among inside linebackers. Fred Warner at one, Levante at two, and Demario Davis at three. Devin White is also on this list. He is all the way down in tier six. And I know Trevor Sycamore has had some conversations with Peter Report and Scott Reynolds. So he knows the down low on Devin White. Devin White is ranked 25th. Out of 32 inside linebackers, he's right in front of his uh, former LSU alum, Patrick Queen, now of the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, Leighton Vander Esch at 32 rounds out the whole group. Bailey, Levante David is finally getting his praise coming in at number two. Yeah, no, I think I think he's properly rated too. I, I don't have any arguments with with that. I don't think he's slowed down whatsoever as he's as he's gotten older. I know the playmaking isn't necessarily there like it was early on in his career, but I think it's also kind of not been his role. Devin White's been kind of that guy being sent after the quarterback and, you know, forcing some fumbles here and there. Um, Would love to see Levante get back to that, but just in terms of what he does, um, you know, for the Bucks and on on defense, his his coverage is insane. Like he, he, no one really covers like, like Levante David does. Um, And, you know, I think PFF had him at an 88 coverage grade in 2022, which is the second best of his career. And like I said, he's getting up there. He's, I think, 33 years old now. And I have, like, no questions about how Levante David will look, you know, come come September and into this season. So I think that's, you know, one thing that the Bucs can be certain about on defense, which is always helpful. Um, and as far as Devin White, 25th, man, might be a little too low for me, but it's it's around the right range, unfortunately, with, with what Devin has, you know, put out there on tape lately. Um, and I think Trevor went, into, went on to write about Devin White and, and called that tier that he's in the all-athlete tier because there's no question that Devin White's an amazing athlete. And a lot of what he does, you know, stems from his athleticism and, and what he's been able to do as a blitzer. Um, his coverage rate last year was, you know, right around 44, 45, which is yeah. just abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. It's, it's, it's almost fair for him. And you, it's, it's almost ironic, too, when you look at the two guys, you know, manning the middle of the defense for the Bucks, and you look at, Devin White is upset about his contract. Once that contract extension is making on his fifth year option around $11 million. Levante David, I know he's getting up there in age, but he just signed back on a one-year deal for far less than that. And I think, you know, he could realistically, 
if you know if he wanted to, if he was the type of guy, he could make some noise or could have made some noise in free agency and said, "Hey, I deserve more than this." But he signed back on, and you know, I think he's he's going to be what the Bucks need him to be again for another year. I'm glad that Levante is finally. Uh, you know, getting some recognition, even if it had to come from somebody that knows Avante David probably better than anyone else at Pro Football Focus, being a Tampa local and previously writing for uh, PeterReport.com, but also shows that you can rely on linebackers even if they're later in age. You know, Levante's up there as one of the oldest starting linebackers in the league and still a, you know, top-tier inside linebacker. We need to see more turnovers. I think that's absolutely apparent. And, yeah, I mean, Devin at, you know, in Tier 6, as far down as he is, I could see him moving into Tier 5. And it's so funny because Devin, depending on who you ask, I mean, there are people that will have Devin in your top 10 of inside linebackers. And then you see, you know, this article from PFF where they have him, you know, 25, 26 overall. I think the potential of Devin could put him in the top 10. No question about it. I mean, you want to talk about – we like talking about the 2020 season because the Bucs won the Super Bowl. But if you want to talk about that 2020 version of Devin White, I don't think there's much of a question that he's at least in the top 15 at worst. So we know that the potential is there with Devin. The athleticism like you talked about, he's just got to clean up a lot of the other things, whether it's run coverage, pass coverage. I personally would put him in like the tier five. Um, I, I know we're down on him because we don't think he should get paid the money that he's asking for. But that still doesn't mean that he's a terrible, terrible, uh, you know, inside linebacker. Like at tier four, the last in the group is CJ Mosley at 19. But then you look at tier five, Jermaine Pratt, Shaq Thompson, Aziz Al-Shahir, or Sha- Shair, I should say, Bobby Okarike, Logan Wilson. Like I, if you put Devin White at 22, I would have no issues there. So that's right. kind of like where I would uh, – have Devin, uh, but very interesting to see for sure where they had uh, Levante David and uh, and Devin White for this one. Uh, people are feeling some type of way about uh, Levante David and well Devin White a little more specifically. King Cook says Devin being ranked twenty fifth is bogus, and they clearly hate him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> Uh, Jack up bluntly says Devin needs to improve his coverage skills. Emphasis on skills. Jonathan Budget says love that LVD is getting recognized. Jonathan, I'm in full agreement with you. And Tom Bucks fan rounding it out as well, saying Devin White's issue is coverage. He can rush, but he blows the coverage. Yes, he is a great blitzer. There's no doubt about it. Using that speed for sure. This next, this next one, Bailey, we, we have some gripes with this one. We are talking about the corners. <laughs> and the Bucks have two of them on it, starting with don't make a scene. It's just Dean, Jamel Dean in there. Um, but my goodness. So Jamel <laughs> Dean comes in at 10. Coming in. And I had to double check this at 19, no longer with the Bucks, but former Buccaneer Sean Murphy Bunting of the Tennessee Titans is at 19. Yep. And then your other starting cornerback for the Bucks, your CB one in the eyes of Todd Bowles is Carlton Davis at 29. Now, if you want to have Carlton Davis at 29, fine. But to have Sean Murphy <laughs> at 19, who they just played on the same team together, and Carlton was clearly the number one, absolutely blows my mind. And then Jamel Dean, obviously, you know, coming in at 10. But I'll, I'll do the read-up real quick on Dean. They say, and this was written by um, Sam Monson of PFF. He wrote a lot of the offensive ones. Uh, he says... For Dean, one of the league's most underrated cornerbacks, Dean finally cashed in this offseason with a big payday for the Bucs. He has four straight seasons with a PFF coverage grade between 74.7 and 78.9. And though he doesn't make a lot of plays on the football, he makes quarterbacks and receivers work for every yard. For SMB, he says, the player typically tasked with manning the slot over the past few seasons in Tampa Bay. Murphy Bunting is another cornerback limited by injury. 
He played in 10 games and was on the field for fewer than 500 defensive snaps, but earned a 74 and a half PFF coverage grade. And then for Carlton, Davis isn't coming off his best year, but he still led the Tampa Bay cornerbacks last season with 11 pass breakups, more than double the next best total. He allowed an, uh, he allowed a 85.8 passer rating into his coverage and has elite size and strength for their position. So Bailey, based on what Sam Monson said himself, that uh, Carl, uh, that Sean Murphy Bunting was not available for a lot of games, that Carlton Davis you know, led the team in pass breakups. How on earth is Carlton Davis ranked 29th and Sean Murphy Bunting ranked 19th? It's insane enough to me that Carlton Davis is ranked below Sean Murphy Bunting, but the fact that he's 10 spots below him is one of the wildest things I've seen probably this offseason. It's been a pretty wild offseason, so yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't explain it. I, I really I, – he, I know he tried to explain it, and – I want to know, like, compare the two. How do you explain 10 spots ahead for Sean Murphy punting? Because, yeah, I know Carlton didn't have his best year, but I think there was still a lot of really, really good play from Carlton last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, he locked down Jamar Chase, I think, in that game against the Bengals. He did. Um, if I'm remembering correctly. And, yeah, I know, I know Sean Murphy bunting, he he had a, a penchant for turnovers. You know, I think that's um something that he's had in his favor over the last minute obviously that super that super bowl run he had three straight games with an interception but i think he kind of lived off that for a while and i liked i like sean Murphy. i mean i, I like them as a guy and i really yeah, awesome dude speaking with him. great dude but i i don't understand how you can put him this high in general and especially with the context of ranking him 10 spots ahead of the guy who is the same uh, the cornerback one on the same team for the four years they were together or five years they were together it's it's really really crazy to read. Yeah, it blew my mind when I, when I was reading the story, and I and I do respect the writer. You know, everyone's going to have their different opinions, but you know, just watching every single game, you know, SMB got beat a lot too. Like most notably in the Germany game, um, you know, against the Seahawks, there were times where SMB just lacked confidence, and that's yeah. why he kind of like fell down the depth chart. Carlton has always been a guy that relishes in the fact of going up against the top corner, top wide receivers in the league because he believes that he's a top corner in the NFL and has done great jobs against some of the best around. And for, for Carlton to be that low boggles my mind. He's, he's, he's clearly not properly rated. I don't think he should be 29. He should at least yeah. be in the top 15. Jamel Dean, I think pretty high praise for 10. I'd probably bump him up a, a little bit higher, maybe like – Honestly, if the, if you put like Carlton fourteen and Jamel fifteen or flip that order, I would have no complaints there. But you know, shout out to Jamel Dean for you know getting what he did with those numbers. But yeah, SMB, good guy, but should not be ranked nineteenth on uh, this list. How do you feel about and, Jamel uh, at at ten? Yeah, I mean, you get the feeling this is kind of tying into both Davis and Dean and probably Sean Murphy Bunting, too. You kind of get the feeling these rankings are maybe a little too heavy on the, the grades. I think they yes, weigh the grades agreed. a little too much because, yeah, I know SMB had a good grade, and I, maybe that was part of the reason why he was where he was on the list. But um, I think Dean's pretty fairly rated. I think I think he has kind of gotten himself into that top 10 territory. Um, and I know PFF has long loved Jamel Dean both in terms of grades and just also overall. I know they were really high on him going into free agency. I had him as one of the top top ranked free agents and the top cornerback on the free agent market. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's just been really, really consistent in terms of his coverage. And I know both guys, both Jamel and Carlton, they probably don't get the level of attention. Um, and I don't even say I want to say the level of attention they deserve, but it's what, what keeps them from getting that is the lack of turnovers. Yes. They, they both obviously have have very low interception totals. And those are what kind of jump off the page when people are evaluating cornerbacks and until they can kind of, you know, get those numbers up, they might not get above where, you know, maybe where Jamel Dean is right now. And I was looking back at last year's and, and they, they had them in tiers last year and Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean were both in the tier titled on the cusp of being elite. Mm -hmm. And I know Carlton didn't have his best season in the NFL, this past season, but for him to go from on the cusp of elite all the way down to 29th just feels drastic. And 
Um, last year, Carlton was 13th and Jamel was 14th. So, yeah, I mean, it's fair to say based off of last year and where everything's gone that Jamel has jumped him in the rankings. It's, it's fair to say that, I think. But for one to be so far below the other, I don't I don't know, man. I, it's it's a lot. <laughs> You're absolutely right about the, the turnovers is what's hurting them and holding them back. If they each were able to get their hands on the ball a little bit more with with uh, way more turnovers than just two for uh, Jamel Dean and one for Carlton Davis. I think, especially for Davis moves up the rankings a ton. And I think the best way to describe like why these rankings are off, at least between Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy bunting and Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy bunting and Jamel Dean were free agents this off season. Carlton Davis was a free agent last off season. Two out of those three got multi-year deals with mega, not mega, but pretty big contracts. The other one signed a prove it deal. Yeah. What else needs to be said? Signed a prove it deal with another team too. I think like the Bucks value yes. both of those guys enough to give them long term deals and against some cap constraints too. Said we need to make room for these guys. We want these guys longer term. SMB not so much. He went off signed a signed a prove it deal with Tennessee, and we'll see how it goes for him. But. You know, wish him the best, but he, he not ten spots ahead of Carlton Davis. I'm not even sure he's on this list. It's third top thirty-two. I'm not even sure he's top thirty-two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another fun list you can make is the list of all the bets that you're going to make during this football season, or really at any time. And of course, if you're going to be betting, make sure to do it over at mybookie.ag. We've all been there before. A weekend trip to the casino canceled because real life came calling. Well, my bookie's new and approved online casino is here to change the game. Dive into truly realistic casino experiences featuring the latest in slots, progressive jackpots, and live dealer action, all from the comfort of your own home. The MyBookie Casino provides a Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands, and the best part is you don't even need to wear pants, though I would still recommend doing so. Your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus used in promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, because their revamp loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. So the more the pl- you play, the more you win. Play anytime, anywhere with the MyBookie Casino. That's promo code Pewter. And of course, win, uh, get up to $1,000 with your first deposit bonus, even if you learn from Plant City Math. You know that that is a heck of a deal, so use that promo code Pewter at mybookie.ag. Now, last but certainly not least on this list, we're going to talk about the safeties, most notably Antoine Winfield Jr., but there's some love for Ryan Neal as well. This PFF article was written on June 8th by Dalton Wasserman, and Antoine Winfield Jr. is ranked fourth overall, and Ryan Neal also makes the list coming in at 28th and i gotta say if you want you can check it out on pff the the write-ups on it um i feel pretty good about both bailey just where they are i think antoine field jr should be considered one of the best corners uh best safeties in the league especially moving back to um you know free safety this year and ryan neal played very well as a starter last year but needs that opportunity to be a full-time starter so i was pleasantly surprised he even made the list yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much there with you. I think especially with Antoine, I think he should be right around where he is at fourth. I was just a little surprised. Like I, I kind of thought, oh, like good. I'm glad. I'm like pleasantly surprised to see him up there in the top five. And his run defense was amazing last year. He had four yeah. sacks as well. Um, struggled a little bit in coverage. I think moving moving into the slot wasn't maybe the best thing for him. I'm, I think really more comfortable at the safety position, and it'll be good to see him back as more of a full time safety role this season. But yeah, I think top five is definitely fair for where he is in his career and in line for a contract extension um, pretty soon. And, and Ryan Neal, I even thought if we're basing this off of last year, I think he could be a few spots higher maybe, but I think pretty fair right in the range that he's in. I think by the end of this year, I think I'm I'm really, I'm going to talk to you when we were at the facility a couple weeks ago for minicamp. I'm pretty, I'm all in on Ryan Neal. I think yeah. this guy's potential is, is off the charts and th- them as a duo is really going to be something I think the Bucks are going to be pretty happy with by the end of the season because both guys have high flow uh, high ceilings and i think they have a really good shot at reaching those ceilings um you know down the stretch last year when when ryan neal had to step in 
for Seattle. He didn't allow a touchdown after week five, and he ended the season as PFS top graded safety. So I was almost surprised to see him that low, knowing how much they weigh their grades. Um, yeah. <laughs> and him being their top graded safety and coming in at 28, I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. So Neil was one ahead of Adrian Amos and uh, Malik Hooker, Jerron Harmon, uh, Adrian Phillips. A couple of guys in front of him were Jaquan Brisker, Donovan Wilson, Xavier McKinney, Marcus Williams, Rodney McLeod, and Quandre Diggs. Yeah. It is odd. And I guess it's different from writer to writer because, like, why would, to go back to the corners, why would, like, Carlton get penalized so much for not having as good of a grade as some of the other guys, but Antoine or, or Ryan Neal's, excuse me, had off the charts grades, phenomenal grades and, and barely makes the list. But I, I do think it is fair. It's like you only had a small body of work. Yeah. You, you got your foot in the door. Now, what do you do from it um, from there? And yeah, to go back to Winfield, I would just say at the time, I think it was a good move by Todd Bowles. I, I'm not, I would not knock him for moving Winfield into the slot, but it's just clear that not that it didn't pan out. It's just clear that he's way better at free safety overall for the Bucks defense. And I think it's better to replace easier to replace like a nickel corner than like a free safety that can do a little bit of everything because that's where Antoine's at his best when he's, you know, playing center field and is able to knock some balls away, grab some interceptions, and then he can go up to the line of scrimmage and blitz. And I think you saw a lot with, like, the forced fumbles as well. He was great at just knocking the ball loose because he's able to fly around and, you know, a big tight end. He might break through the linebacker in a corner, but once you're trying to break multiple tackles and you have another guy coming in and punching that ball away, like Antoine Winfield Jr. has been so great at doing um, – you know, that's that's just a little bit of added value that you can get from a free safety that you might not necessarily have with a nickel corner that, you know, if the receiver runs a certain route, then you're automatically out of out of the play. So uh, before we sign off, Bailey, just real quick, the safety position, I think it could be stellar this year with Winfield and um, and, and Ryan Neal. Do you feel that they should bring in another veteran player to be like a key backup, given all the undrafted free agents they have? I'm really on the fence about it. It's one of those things where I could see why they would, but I think there's a lot of upside with some of these undrafted free agents that I almost want to see what they've got. And I think maybe that might be a training camp thing. They might they might see what they have in training camp and in the preseason, and I would lean toward that and ha- have them kind of evaluate them during uh, preseason and then you might see some guys I know either they're unsigned or they are, they're waived because of cap constraints or whatever, um, not making their rosters across the league. And we saw it with Carl Nassib back in 2019. Yeah. Um, if, if it's a guy like that where you can get a safety to come in and, and kind of plug him in as your number three, number four guy, might be worth it. But I do want to see you know everything that these undrafted free agents have to offer because I think they have a pretty good class, especially at the safety position. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There's a lot of excitement around the safety room in particular because I think there's a couple guys that could have potentially been drafted in a late round, but the Bucs were able to get them as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Another player you're going to see, you're actually going to be able to see them tomorrow night on the Peter Report podcast. That is rookie tight end Payne Durham is joining the show tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure to set your alarms Payne Thurm is going to be on the show. Very excited to have him on. We'll obviously talk to him about getting into the NFL and, uh, you know, his overall thoughts and outlook of the Bucks offense. So going to be uh, very exciting, a lot of fun having Payne Durham on the show, the Bucks rookie tight end. And, of course, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on all of our social media on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Pewter Report. And then, of course, on YouTube, we are Pewter Report TV. Always got a lot of great content coming out. We have content daily along with the Pewter Report podcast, different shorts, different clips, practice stuff, interviews, um, really just like think pieces as well. A lot of great content on our YouTube channel. So please go ahead and um, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. One last thing real quick before we sign off. want to say RIP to Ryan Mallett. That was a very sad story that we heard of. And also uh, some scary news with Leonard Fournette. If you saw on his uh, social media, 
Um, his car caught fire and thankfully he was able to get out safely, but his car absolutely exploded. So um, glad that Leonard Fournette is doing okay. RIP to Ryan Mallett. And, um, you know, obviously thinking about his family, thinking about Leonard Fournette as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for us on tonight's show. Remember, Payne Durham tomorrow at 7 o'clock Eastern. So for Bailey Adams, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow night for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.